You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. Uh, today is Sunday, uh, January 6th. I'm here with uh, a good friend. This is, uh, by the way, Virgil Varix. And I'm here to uh, sit down and have a great conversation and uh, get to some truth today. How you doing? Oh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah. Virgil, man, this is, this is amazing. Um, ready to have some conversations, man. Ready to get some of the stuff I've been meditating out on, on the world. So Good, good. Well, I think I'd first like to start off with, um, you know, today, at least the way I look at it, um, roughly speaking, you know, it seems like 50% of the population can't talk to the other 50%. And that goes for every strata. It goes politically. It goes, you know, religiously. It goes pretty much for everything. Yeah. The way I look at it. And um, I feel like – I think I mentioned this to, your, to, to you earlier before the podcast started. You know, I feel that, um, you know, for not talking, we're fighting in some type of way. So – and the reason, I, the reason I say that, and I'm going to back it up right now, <laughs> is uh, – when when there's not a constant, secure, you know, deliberate mode of communication between one person and another, mm-hmm. one group or another, mm-hmm. I don't really believe that people can get an accurate representation of that group or their wants, desires, or needs. So I think that overall what 2017 has taught me, you know, looking into the new year and looking at, you know – trying to see how things are going to be going, you know, in the world. It's taught me to to open my ears and, you know, and listen. Sure. You know, and uh but and listen to people that I, I never thought I'd listen to, you know, and uh have conversations with people that I didn't think I'd be on the other side of the table of. Yeah. And um yeah, it's it's driven me to to find this overall sense of truth in it. What do you think? I think that's a little scary. Um, that that revelation <laughs> there, right? If if fifty yeah. percent of the population is on one end and fifty percent of those is on the other end, you know, it's a pretty split table. You know, yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. It is a little scary. Where does that leave the the percent of the population that's not fighting? I, I feel like there's a huge middle ground that I, I doesn't agree. get explored, and either they're too scared to articulate their, their I agree. feelings. I agree. Or they secretly do agree with the extreme. And yeah. And, you know, the thing is, when it comes to the the center, you know, and I, I use that word not only in terms of politically necessarily, I use that in terms of, you know, where they stand temperamentally. The moderates. Yeah, the moderates. Um, I think that where they stand is, you know, they are the pragmatists, you know. They're looking at the world in a sense more pragmatically sure. than either spectrum. Yeah. And – they are trying to approach issues as honestly as possible, but at the same time, they're not trying to go about it with a ideological bent. Mm. So there isn't a – but see, the problem with that is and the problem that arises from that is you – by doing that, you might not have you know, the philosophical backing to support your claims and to support your views. It might not be that way. Or if you do, they have not been discovered. And like you mentioned, people feel – you know, like, well, can I really com- can I really communicate my thoughts on on this subject or this topic effectively and not feel like I'm alienating other people sure. or alienating okay. myself? Yeah, because sometimes people will will think something 
and go into a conversation with a group of people and not say it for fear of either sounding, you know, dumb or fear of sounding uh, politically incorrect or fear of sounding, you know, uninformed. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is something you and I definitely agree on. At the end of the day, we don't really know anything. You know, as Socrates says, I know nothing. And uh, if anything has taught me that, it's what's happened the last few years uh, around the world mm -hmm. and uh, what's what's happened with myself, you know, in the last few years and how much I've changed and how much I, the realization of, you know, all this stuff going around. And, you know, I think I might know something and then boom, tomorrow yeah. I just find out, wow, realization, I had no idea about any of this. Well, you know, I think uh, the year that we're in right now just is a wonderful opportunity to explore what we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Where um, we have the internet, we, we have all these different mediums of exchange of communication where if I – am conscious enough to recognize that I don't know what I'm talking about. I have no clue what's going on on the other side of the aisle and I want to find out. Mm -hmm. Well, boom, baby, it's right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can hesitantly go on my Facebook feed and, and, mm -hmm. and, and I might see something mm -hmm. that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can go on blogs. I can yeah. listen to podcasts. I yeah. can turn on the television, There's radio, right? I can 100%. give you a call, right? Yeah. Where, you know, years passed. I can only talk to my neighbors or my parents it's, or, you know, pick a book in the library. God, God bless me and, and yeah. maybe find <laughs> yeah. something, you might, right? You might. So with with the ability to actually seek and find some different uh, opinions, ideas, I, I, I think that – I don't know. We might still be divided on so many different issues. 100%. But as opposed to – that we, us being divided and that being the end of the conversation, mm -hmm. we might actually be able to come to some common ground where we can actually move forward. And I think that's the ultimate goal, right? As opposed to just being divided, being able to take the divisions that, that mm -hmm. make us beautiful and unique and different, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. come together yeah. and actually make some meaningful change. 100%. You know, I, I think that that overall message is, is one we need today. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's resonating, you know, with me primarily because it focuses on, you know, the prime, you know, the primacy of the individual. Sure. You know, it focuses specifically on that, but it also has a, a beautiful, you know, overall point of like, well, even though we have differences, even though we might have, you know, different variations on what we believe and what we don't believe, we're still able to look a person who I disagree with vehemently, but I respect them because they have their own opinions, but they respect me because I have my own. Mm -hmm. And we're able to talk and discuss things and not be at each other's throats. And I think, you know, so many people today are either on on a bent of like trying to moralize something. So they'll see what somebody said. They'll either attempt to moralize it in some type of way for their own benefit yeah. or they'll re, you know, react a little, I think, in my opinion, a little too much. And they might come at them really, really hard and want to, you know, ruin their career and, and you know, end their lives. And I, I think that, you know, most people need to. Number one, give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, people – when people are talking and going about like we're doing right now, okay. we might make errors in, sure. our, in, our, in our speech. We might make errors in our judgment. We might make errors in our overall uh, assumptions at mm -hmm. the time. But that doesn't, it doesn't stop us from wanting to get better and wanting to, you know, make a dedicated effort to getting out the truth. And, you know, truth with a capital T. Now, I'm not talking about like a subjective truth. I'm talking about objectivity, what's what's true in the world and what does that mean for my overall, you know, effort in life. So let me ask you a question then. Yeah. Uh, we fundamentally disagree on let's just let's just say truth with a capital T, lowercase t, right? Okay, yeah. 
Um, how do I how do I digest? How do I palate what you have to say um, on that difference? Right? If I just disagree with you fundamentally, yes. yeah. Right? So how am I? How, as what 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 break it down for me? What are the steps for me to be able to open the door to your your view of the world? Okay, and be able to digest it. So I think I think the first thing we have to do is you know reach reach at a yeah start with definitions for sure because if you don't start with definitions you might be talking about something and I might be talking about something we might be using the same word but we mean completely two different things sure um you know like uh for instance one of the words out there that might mean that is equality you know when people mention the word equality they might mean equality of outcome or they might mean equality of opportunity two very different things but the word equality is used and that might send different signals to different people for different reasons. Okay. So I think first first step is getting a definition down and understanding that, you know, okay, can we agree at least on the definition? And once you are able to agree on a definition, then the conversation can take place. But I think if you if you cannot d- agree on a definition, I think you might have a hard time, you know, continuing the conversation. Sure. So framing is important. Framing is 100% important. Hundred percent important, and um, I, don't th- I think if you don't start off that way, some people might take that as an ingenuine, you know, way of going at about a conversation. Is like, okay, well, let's have a conversation about X, but I'm not going to define X. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you? What, what am I arguing against? Am I arguing against a straw man? Am I arguing against your actual opinion? What is it? Yeah. And I think that's that's you know the first and most important thing. I think okay. after that, the next thing you want to do is. Hear what the person has to say because anytime you get into any type of discussion, any type of argument, um, you have to go into it. You have to have the assumption that maybe the other person I disagree with and am talking to, maybe they know something I don't. Maybe they have some information that could be, you know, beneficial to me. Maybe their information could change my life and make my life better. So you have to go into a conversation that way. Why is that important? Number one, psychologically, it allows you to have a conversation that's not weighed down by any type of negative feelings. Because if you go into the conversation thinking that, hey, I'm going to be able to have a good conversation with this person, I'm gonna, I might learn something important. That will frame your, your attitude towards a conversation as a positive experience versus a negative one. So basically, I, I need to go into every conversation recognizing that there is literally some type of intrinsic value. Yes. And, and just us exchanging words, not yes. necessarily what's going to be said, mm-hmm. who I'm talking to, mm-hmm. but just, just placing some value in who you are as a person. Yes. And no matter what your upbringing is, your experiences are, your, your point of view is, that I'm going to actually get something out of this, right? Like I, I, I should be very uh, uh, intentional about how I approach the conversation, right? That's exactly it. And okay. I, I, think, I think that's important because, you know, even if I talk to somebody who, you know, might – you know, use all these, you know, manipulation tactics like ad hominems and, you know, straw manning me and all these things. What does that really teach me? It, it, at that moment, it teaches me, okay, well, I have to pick my battles. Mm. You know, that's number one. You know, am I, am I fighting, you know, if I'm, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, is the conversation genuine? You know, is the person actually trying to get to truth or is the person trying to win? You know, and, you know, and the idea of winners, you know, when you have winners, there's also losers. Okay. So that creates a, a very toxic environment. And you have to, you have to see the person's intention. And you can really get that pretty early on because the way I think that happens is like, you know, the first thing you'll notice is like when, when I, 
make an argument and then the person attacks my character and they don't attack my argument, that's the instant instant right there. Instantly right there you have a, you have an idea that, okay, this person doesn't want to, you know, engage in, the engage in a discussion. They discussion. just want to, you know, call me names or make me look bad or try to guilt me into agreeing with them. You know, like some people might, you know, make you feel guilty about your position in hopes that, you know, you revert your position and, you know, agree with them. Okay. So, you know, that, those are legitimate, you know, tools of debate, right? See, I think those tools are legitimate, but I, I think those tools should be used. So I think, I think you can make character, uh, you know, character arguments after you deal with a person's points. Okay. I think that's only, that's the only ethical way to do it. Cause I think if you start off with attacking character and never attacking the actual points, it's not as, the conversation automatically takes a, a more um, aggressive attack, attacking type of tone, and it doesn't allow people to actively feel like they're they're having a conversation. It feels like they're being attacked. Sure, you know, so that might influence the conversation, in my opinion. Okay, to into a place where you know, there's name calling, and eventually nobody's getting anywhere. Nobody. The only thing they've learned is that I don't like this person, and that's it. But they didn't get anything out of it. But I think you should go to every conversation wanting to learn something. And you know what? By the end of the conversation, you might learn something about yourself, not necessarily from them, but just by the way you, you, you behaved in the conversation. Did something they say, you know, get an emotional rise out of you and then you lost it? You know, did something they say cause you to, to contemplate your earlier position and now you have to reevaluate your, your stance on something? I think those are very honest moments that happen in conversation, in debate. But I, I feel that, you know, if we don't, you know, uh, go about it with a good attitude, number one, and with a honest, honest, you know, approach to the truth, I'm going to attack your argument first. Then if you have some character flaws that I think are relevant to the argument, I will make them, you know, like uh, if somebody, for instance, is arguing to help, you know, the needy. But you know that, that they never, you know, they walk by people in, in the street and never give them any money. Mm-hmm. And you could maybe make that argument after you attack their initial, you know, argument about their their points. Then I think it's it's it's, it's legitimate. But yeah, that's my thing. Okay. So 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 now we know that we need to find the intrinsic value and in, in what we're going to be getting out of the conversation. Okay. Um, which is pretty deep, just to think about. Well, right? yeah, it's it's. It's fun. I think it's it's foundational on what makes us who we are, though. You know, it gets to the core of our being. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are able to see the world as another sees it, you're able to to and you know, and not in not necessarily a uh, religious way, but you're able to see into their soul. You know, you're able to you're able to get an idea. Can you see into my soul right now? I definitely can. Okay, just just checking. Shining, dude. It's shining. Oh yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you you're able to see what the person wants. You know, like if I have a discussion with somebody, and eventually, you know, it gets to a position, it gets to a point where we're talking about you know really heavy you know psychological and philosophical things. You get to see the person more clearly than you've ever seen them before. Because they're not just describing their behaviors and why they do them. They're describing their intents and their motives behind their behaviors. And that gives you a clear view into a person's soul and person's heart and what they want to do and why they want to do it. 
So, you know, you, you might be talking to somebody about, you know, work and, you know, wanting to achieve, you know, more and you might get, you know, out of that conversation, they might tell you, well, I want to help and support my family. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, okay, wow, he, he wants to, he wants to help people out. And then, you know, you have a different conversation, same conversation with a different person. And then you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to go only ball in. I want to get this, you know, dope ass <laughs> car and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, wow, this person really wants to give themselves a more luxurious and interesting life and go on trips and all this stuff and bungee jump, all this crazy stuff. So, um, I think that, you know, you get to see people's motives and not saying one is more, you know, righteous or virtuous than the other necessarily, but I, I think that it, it allows you to manifest your will into being and allows them to manifest their will into being without any force necessary. And that's what conversation allows us to do. And the reason I said, you know, either we're, either we're, we're talking or we're fighting is because if you're trying to manifest your will through speech, it's, it might not be, you know, palatable for everybody. Yeah. But it's peaceful compared to if you're trying to manifest your will through force, you know, we're fighting, then, you know, obviously it's not peaceful. Obviously, it, it requires a lot of, you know, sacrifice and a lot of different things like that. Okay. So, yeah. I think one of the things that uh, human beings, no matter what age you come from, what, mm-hmm. what background you come from, mm-hmm. we all crave connection on, on a deeper, more intimate level. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, friends, spouses, uh, family members. Yes. Right? We all want to be closer to one another. But in yes. today's world, we find that – uh, we, we're choosing our, our our interactions in almost Snapchat bites, right? We 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 want to we want to stay in our own lane. We we almost crave to be ourselves more than the, the desire to connect with others, mm-hmm. right? So how do yeah? I I love the fact that you said we're either fighting or we're talking, right? Because mm-hmm. that almost you know describes what we're, what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, am I either either we're talking or we're, yeah. or we're doing our own thing, right? We're doing our own either thing. we're seeking to understand what's going on on the other side of the table and yep. and moving forward together, holding hands, yeah, marching down the street, mm-hmm. or I'm doing my own thing by myself, doing my own thing by myself, exactly. And you know, a lot of the times, the doing my own thing by myself, you know, if you come at it rationally and you approach it rationally, you know, and you say I'm going to do my own thing, but I'm not going to step on other people to get my own thing done. Yeah. Then I think you're doing things ethically. You're doing things morally. Virtue there. there. Yeah, okay. but you know, but then if you're, but if you're a person that's, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, and get my, you know, get my stuff, get my, you know, get my need done. You know, I'm going to actually step on people and you know take advantage of people and manipulate people. Then obviously at that point you've gone a step too far, and you've you've corrupted the the virtue of uh, of uh, of thinking in your rational self interest. Mm. You know, and I, I think, you know, having a rational self-interest and there's a big difference between self-interest and self-desire. Okay. And, you know, we all feed our desires. And that's, let's, let's practice something we talk about. Let's, let's get some definitions on the table. Okay. So self-interest. Well, self-desire. Let's start with self-desire because that's, that's a really easy one. Um, self-desire is, you know, I want to go to Las Vegas and have a great time and, you know, Get wasted and go to parties and clubs and all this stuff. Okay. But what's it, what's in my self interest? What will make my life better? What will make me flourish? That, what is that? It's, you know, staying, you know, up to my code, working really hard, keeping myself, you know, uh, you know, busy, keeping my, making myself healthy, 
um, but not trying to feed my self-desires because my self-desires will ultimately destroy me. My self-interest, on the other hand, in my opinion, mm -hmm. will ultimately build me up to a better individual. And when I say self-interest, I don't mean what's only good for me because a lot of times if I do something that's good for me, ultimately, you know, when I say good for me, I mean like something that will make my life better. Yeah. The people that are connected to me, the close people that I love, yeah. it'll extrapolate to them. Okay. Right? And then maybe because I'm doing better, that they're doing better, maybe the people that are connected with them, maybe they'll treat them better and do something better for them. Okay. So you take this and, you know, you have to do something that makes you better but also makes the people you're close to better. Right? And then after that, you have to somehow extrapolate that. You can actually take that to a logical extreme and say, well – if that keeps going on, that's the way it goes to society is by everybody taking care of their self, their rational self-interest and going forward and doing all these things because, you know, people say this is, a, you know, uh, Milton Friedman had an interesting you know, argument. He said, you know, people look at the, look at this country as an individualistic society, but in reality, it's more of a family society. Mm -hmm. And, uh, people, you know, have, have that. And that's a very important statement. Very, very important statement. And the people we regard as our family, the people that we care about. You know, I do well at work and I try to strive for greater excellence in everything I try to do primarily because, number one, it's going to make me and my family members better. But, like, I'm adding value into the world. You know, if I – you know, these, this conversation is adding value. Sure. Whether it's adding value to me right now and you right now or maybe adding value to somebody a week down if they're listening to this. Yeah. This – you know, I am producing something in a way that, you know, I'm getting something out of it, of course. Definitely getting something out of it. Yeah. But maybe someone down the line might get something out of it. So it ultimately leaves us at a at a win-win situation. It's a trade. You know, it's a fair trade. You know, like, OK, I want a steak. I got 20 bucks in my pocket. Steak's 20 bucks. What, uh, I think the steak's more valuable than my 20 bucks. Give me that steak. The guy cutting the meat's like, okay, the 20 bucks is more valuable than this piece of steak. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a win-win situation, and that's kind of the way I view this. Okay. So can we say that self-desire self more so feeds our, our base carnal instincts, right? Yeah. Uh, the most, pleasure centers. The most, yeah, yeah. The most hedonistic, yeah. you know, horrible things you can possibly think of that would, you know, be maximized. So hedonism, maximizing pleasure in the moment yeah. definition. Not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily, no, not necessarily a bad thing, but, it, you know, in excess. Have a outlook, yeah, it doesn't have, there's no long-term outlook to hedonism. Hedonism, you know, usually ends with a very, you know, young, early death. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it's portrayed itself in, in, in modern history. So I think, you know, having a, a – putting a rein on your hedonism and understanding, okay, well, I want to have fun in life. I want to, you know, maximize my pleasure in some type of way and have a good time with my friends and, you know, go out and have – you know, that's important things to do. That's really important. But at the same time, you cannot live your life around that because if you live your life around that, you will lose who you are essentially. You will – you will become a shadow of your former self. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Carl, you know, um, Carl Jung used to talk about the shadow. And the shadow is... Ooh, it sounds scary. Well, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. The shadow is every repressed negative emotional thing in your psyche, in your personality. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of your shadow. Okay. And he talked about, you know, trying to accept your shadow and embrace your shadow to not be afraid of it. Okay. And not because it's a part of you. It's a part of you. So you have to embrace the shadow, but you cannot be controlled by the shadow okay. and you cannot fear the shadow. 
And the shadow is you. The shadow is every single time, you know, you wanted to do something and you knew it wasn't good or every time you had some type of repressed thought that might have, you know, thought good in the moment. But, you know, looking back at it probably wasn't a good idea. Sure. You know, that's part of your shadow. But that's part of who you are. Yeah. So when you're able to understand your shadow, you're able to understand how you could go bad in the world. And that's the main thing Carl Jung talked about. Okay. You know, and this is going to get kind of deep right now, you know. Understanding your shadow. There's a there's an interesting uh, story out there. I mean, about you know uh, during World War II, you know a group of uh, uh, policemen and their sergeant. They were not you know they were not uh, raised under Nazism or under Hitler. Never liked him or understood anything. They were not part of the Nazi Party. But they said, oh, we're going to be prison guards and we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff. Anybody want to opt out? Everybody said no. You know, and they went from normal middle class people. To at the end of it, you know, forcing people to do, you know, terrible things and marching people and executing people. And why did that happen? Primarily, you know, it was Christopher Browning's book called Ordinary Men. That's, that's where it's from. Okay. And primarily the, you know, the thesis talks about like, well, they did it because if their friends are getting their hands dirty, I can't let them go through it alone. Okay. And that's kind of the mentality that they that they went by. It wasn't, you know, but eventually these people were normal people, but eventually by the end of it, they turned into complete sadists. And the thing is, when What's you what's the saying? Ultimate power corrupts. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, ultimate, you know, yeah. ultimate power, yeah, ultimately corrupts. Yeah, something like that. And it's true because at the end of the day, even with the, with the with the Stanford uh, prison experiments, they took students and yeah. made them prisoner exactly prisoners and guards. Yeah. And then by the end of it, they were beating beating the other students who were prisoners up. Yeah. You know, and it didn't take no more than a couple of weeks. Yeah. And they had to stop it because it got too violent and too messed up. I mean, this, this tells you a little something about our, our, our overall desire. This, this tells you that the shadow can really take over mm-hmm. and the desire for malevolence and the desire for control in, in any type of way is a part of us as humans. But a big thing Young talked about is we have to understand that in order to fight that. Yeah. And we all have the capacity to, to commit great evil. That's part of being a human. You know, you see that in wars. You hear about it in, uh, in genocides that, you know, people that never thought they would do something ter- as terrible as that they, they ended up doing. They talk about it, you know, this is specifically in, in South Africa during truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about the apartheid and the things that were going on in South Africa. And during those, those hearings, you get to hear, you know, people talk about, things that went down and and things that they suffered and you get to see that you know the people that were committing this are you know if you look at them the people that were committed against the people that committed it they both look like normal folks yeah you know but somewhere down the line something happened and people allowed the the darkness and the shadow to completely consume them and the shadow consuming you doesn't have to manifest itself primarily in you know sadism and and, and, and murder. Sure, it could it could manifest itself in completely you know feeding on your self desires. Yeah, and that you get very self destructive. Very self destructive, and yeah. that's where I think a lot. You know, you mentioned about us as a as a, as, a, as a society as a generation um, wanting to to connect. We're not connecting because we're not able to accept all parts of ourselves. I think that's where, where this is coming from. Okay. I think, you know, the reason young people, millennials, whatever you want to call them, 
are not able to connect is because they have not accepted every single aspect of their personality. They haven't, you know, they haven't accepted that, you know what, I might be a little bit neurotic. Yeah. You know, hey, I might not be the most agreeable person in the world. Sure. Yeah. You know, as, as, I'm not as agreeable as I think I am. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. not as I'm not as conscientious and as orderly as I think I am. Okay. You know, they, they you know, maybe people have to be a little bit more honest with the way they view themselves and you know, as soon as you're honest with yourself, you know, you're able to be honest with other people. And I think that's where the you know, the, you have especially the thing within our with our generation, we have this this uh Always when you're around people, you're, you're trying to wonder if they're genuine or not. Yeah. That's a big thing that happens yeah. a lot. In com- in, in, I think because we're so service. self-conscious of ourselves, and, we impose that same like thought pattern on yes, others. It's like, yes. well, Jesus, I'm, I'm barely making it. Like, you know, where's he coming from? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I think that, you know, if we don't have a an idea about who we are, we can't truly show who we are to others. So – this is this goes into a concept that I've had for a while, and it's called the cardboard cutout self. Okay. And the idea, and I'm writing a blog about this. The idea about it is is we as as people, specifically our generation, we go around with a cardboard cutout of ourselves. It's us looking great, feeling awesome, and then we walk around parading it as this is who we really are. It's not a mask. It's a, it's a piece of cardboard. It's, a, it's, a, it's our whole being. Because a mask only hides your face. This hides your whole being. Okay. And you go around showing this to people. This is who I am. This is who I am. But eventually other people who have the cardboard cut out themselves are walking around too. When two people with two cardboard cutouts walk up to each other and they see both cardboard, they look behind it and they're like, hey, are you doing this too? It's like, yeah, I'm doing it too. Yeah. So you're able to see, you know, the machinations of these people and what they're really trying to do. And what they're really trying to do is portray an image that they think is acceptable by society and by their generation. Okay. And it is, it's toxic and it doesn't allow, see, this is, this is what's going on. This is why I'm a big proponent of individualism. I think individualism is the most important concept in human history. Um, you know, and this, I mean, not only does it come from great philosophy before, you know, pre, pre-Christianity, but it's a primary, you know, the primacy of the individual, you know, the, the soul of the individual is a, is a very important thing within religion uh, of all types around the world. So n- not having collectivizing and collect, you know, being a collectivist in the sense of like, well, I have to jive with whatever my demographics, you know, group is. So if I am a millennial, I have to agree with most millennials because if I don't, you know, then I'm the odd man out. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, what do you call it? A pariah in, yeah. in a sense. But that's not true because what is, what is, what's most important to me is, you know, in, 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 in respects of diversity is viewpoint diversity because at the end of the day, you know, the most, the most interesting thing about an individual is their mind, is their thoughts. Yeah. And that's, in the, I mean, other than that, that's about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I that have. That is the individual. We're nothing but a bunch of meat suits anyway. Exactly. We're, we're just meat sacks walking around <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And the most important thing about us is our, is our mind and our ability to express our thoughts and manifest them in the world. Hmm. Wow. Give one, drop one of Clues Bob. Drop one out. of Clues Bob. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I, 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 this is what I, this is what I want for, you know, our generation. You know, I'm 25. I assume you're around the same age. And, um, we need to, to reach for, you know, 
being authentic and being authentic requires being authentic with oneself first. Something you said is, is – is, it resonates with me heavily is that we, we put up this cardboard box, right? What do mm-hmm. you call it? Well, cardboard cutout self. Cardboard cutout self. OK. So what's scary though is – you know, there's the argument, you know, nature versus nurture, right? Yep. And we're a product of our environments. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, just genetically, it's, it's who we're predisposed to be, yeah. right? Yeah. So then there's a space that comes where if I want to be something. You know, mm-hmm. I, I view the world around me. I, I see how everybody else is acting. And I want to express my own self individually, right? Yes. But I don't have the strength to do it yet. Or I don't know yes. how to ex- express my own thoughts yet. Yes. So I, I have to almost. I'm almost forced mm-hmm. or required to put mm-hmm. up that cardboard suit mm-hmm. until I can until I can mm-hmm. give it, you know, some mm-hmm. material until I can fill it up. You yeah. Know, until I can actually be exactly. that person I want to be. You're right. You're right. Right. Everybody puts it up. It's so, not just it's not just, you know, one person or the other. Everybody has one. Okay. So at at what point can I can I manifest the actual cardboard into you know, a 3D body, right? Yeah. When, when, do I have to get 3D printer out? And 3D well, printer you know, out we'll, we'll have we'll have to we'll have to think about that. No, but I I think that Black you know mirror. most oh, yeah right. <laughs> most people put the cardboard in front of themselves okay. and hold it up, the cardboard cutout version of themselves. The reason they do that is because when people throw sticks and stones at them, you know, the cardboard cutout gets hurt, but they don't. So what does that what does that mean? They're emotionally detaching. So they're not they're not who they say they are, but they're not emotionally attached to who they actually are. Okay. So this leaves people in a very like shifty like who am I? I'm a very weird influential position. That's where I was, you know, a few years ago. Um, you know, to speak from my own experience, and obviously my own experience is not you know empirical fact, but this is you know some some subjective uh, opinions on it. Disclaimer: you know, Welcome to the world. Yes, of course, of course. Um, I think that. You know, the first thing, first thing you got to do is um, figure out who you are. And once you're able to figure out who you are, you know, and what and what does that mean? Who am I? It means everything I just said. So everything I've been talking about, it means finding out what do you what do you want for yourself? You know, who are you as a person? Who are you as an individual? You know, are you comfortable with with the 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 positive aspects of your personality are you also comfortable with the negative aspects of your personality you know so that's who you are then after you're able to determine who you are you have to next move on to what do i believe in and what do i believe in not only in terms of religion but what do i believe in in terms of my my whole world view you know my my world view not just politically but my world view how do i view human nature how do i view um, relationships. How do I view, um, you know, society? Uh, how do I view aspects of society? How do I view the government? How do I view, you know, the government's powers? How do I view institutions, whether they're, you know, private institutions as corporations or whether they're, you know, public institutions as the police? You know, these are, these are very important things to, to understand and, and to, you know, to figure out what is your actual opinion, not what people have talked about and then you're just piggybacking. What do you actually believe after thinking and deliberating and having some thought on? Mm-hmm. What, what do you actually believe in? And after you're able to do that, then you're able to manifest yourself more accurately and represent yourself more accurately to people. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some dedication. It's going to take a lot of nights where you're thinking and like, well, damn, you know, maybe my old opinion, maybe that made me intolerable. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that, maybe that old opinion made me, you know, 
not as desirable to talk to. You know, maybe it was maybe it was maybe I was a little harsh and a little caustic because of that opinion, or maybe it'll allow you to uh, look into yourself and and really find where your center is and really make a a meaningful change for your overall character. I like that. Yeah. I think it's I yeah. think it's important. You have to drop the anchor yeah. and and really find yourself and, yeah. and stick to it. 100%. Which is which is so hard to do. Yeah. It's it's impossible. <laughs> but it's something we have to keep trying and if you work on it consistently, I think you'll you'll get closer and closer every day. And it's worth it's definitely 100% worth trying. It's worthwhile. Yeah. Finding that difference. Yep, for sure. So that we can connect on a, on a deeper level. 100%. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right. Cool. I will.